0: And we're back. I'm Gervier Brahm here with Jamal Sandu, and we are Screen Off Script. This week we're getting into Black Panther, Wakanda Forever and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week.
1: There is a new health power. My ancestors would often say without the Black Panther
0: Wakanda in our first segment, we're gonna be talking about all the news for this week when it comes to movies and TVs. If you want to hear our review for Black Panther again with spoilers, we got timestamps in the description, so go ahead, skip around if you want to, gentlemen. First story, mm. I kind of you know, I want to leave it in your hands a little bit, okay? Sure. First off, we're uh, uh, coming off this big week, Wakanda Forever, all that kind of stuff. I feel like this is gonna be a really fun episode because I'm excited to talk about easily one of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah, but the toss up is, do you want to talk about? Marvel first or DC first
1: I'd rather build up to the good stuff so let's maybe uh, nine times out of ten when we talk about DC it's not so great yeah so um, just based off you know history I'd
0: rather start with DC okay fair 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 All right, cool it actually isn't bad news it's just potential right right. that's what we're talking about well DC that's kind of what the fun conversation is now because James Gunn's there so now it's all about potential Mm -hmm. so Dave Zaslak says that the plan is to drive the hell out of DC You will see a lot of growth around DC. We haven't done a Superman movie in 13 years. Him and James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran are coming close to completing a roadmap for DC and its future. On top of what he said as far as growth, he also mentioned that there's not going to be four Batmans anymore. It's an interesting point to mention that because he did also say that we're still going to see... Robert Pattinson's Batman mm-hmm. as a, a separate thing within itself. That's the Matt existence. Reeves oh, Batman verse. verse that's yeah. still going to exist. But he also mentioned that we're still going to see after the Flash, we're still going to see Michael Keaton, and we're going to see Ben Affleck. So it's not to say that they're gone right away, mm-hmm. but it seems like we're still going to see them. Whatever this is, they're they're not throwing everything away. It seems like they want to work with the pieces that they have. Well, I think they've got no choice in terms of tying
1: up the loose ends because there are loose ends to tie up. Yeah. Right, you can't exactly work with Henry Cavill as Superman moving forward and then not acknowledge Ben Affleck as Batman you've already got a movie in the can with a reprising uh, Batman in terms of Michael Keaton coming back so you're kind of already having to deal with the hand that you've been dealt whilst at the same time figuring out the more long term goal here, and the long term plan, so when he says there's not going to be four Batmans anymore I'm happy to hear that but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's only going to be one Batman either that's my kind of take on that quote I feel like again according to the quote according to what you just said I feel like and I hope this is the case and we've spoken about this before you leave Robert Patterson the hell alone you leave Matt Reeves and what they're doing with the Batverse the hell alone let them be in their own lane and then maybe you work with one other Batman, mm-hmm. whether it's Michael Keaton in the kind of older statesman Batman role, or whether it's someone maybe a bit more younger. I don't know what that is and what that's going to look like, but yeah, <laughs> moving forward, I think that's that makes a whole lot of sense. And if they're going to really ramp up this, um, you know, DC kind of IP that they're own, that's great like in principle and, and again why wouldn't you because at the end of the day these movies do make a lot of money even though critically sometimes uh, they're not well received yeah but you have to deliver the goods yeah you just yeah, have yeah. to deliver the quality yeah. on these on these movies i
0: agree with that and it's interesting one point that really stuck out to me is the fact that you said we haven't done a superman movie in 13 years obviously that's factually true as a solo franchise we haven't seen a superman movie in in that long mm. and uh it's interesting because on the other side what we always kind of compare to like marvel and how they handle the mcu is whenever they have like a big marquee person like let's say iron man they don't just put them in the big movies they still have their own solo movies that still do exceptionally well Mm. but also help this character grow and you still enjoy their their journey along the way that's not something we got from superman yeah right and i feel like if if one thing that these guys can do if they can finally get superman to a place of prominence because we haven't seen a good representation of superman in i in my lifetime zero mm-hmm. zero i i mean uh, i can imagine you know if you have a connection to the movies in the 80s like i never really grew up with those but for me like i always wanted because you always hear about the mythology of superman i want that good version of that movie just give me
1: one yeah so as uh, someone that's a bit older and did enjoy the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, especially Superman 1 and Superman 2, it's always, he's so iconic in that role. And Richard Donner did such an incredible job with those movies. You got Gene Hackman involved as Lex Luthor, just so iconic. It's It was always going to be hard. And I remember, you know, you had the TV show with Dean Cain and Terry Thatcher that for a TV show when I was a kid it was actually pretty fun yeah but now looking back it was pretty hokey yeah yeah, yeah. right also true (laughs) yeah and when Man of Steel first came out now looking back I actually think of all the Snyder movies that's probably like one of my more more favourites I actually don't mind it Um, I've watched it a few times again nowhere near perfect but I thought it was almost like you know a, a step in the right direction sure but then they just never you know capitalized on it they never made anything better with the character arc yeah his appearances in the other movies batman versus superman the justice league movie never felt like there was growth either as clark kent or as superman and i don't feel like the chemistry was there with henry cavill and some of the other cast members so and again it could be more about snyder and the tone he was taking with the character which is why i'm so much more excited about the you know,
0: James Gunn being involved yeah. and what
1: he can do with Henry Cavill and what he can do with Superman
0: yeah 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 I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they get that over because we've already seen this new version of Batman and we see different variations of Batman but so many of them are fantastic mm-hmm. I've yet to see uh, Superman that really connects with me right right, and, and I feel like really connects with a generation like so many people how many times have we heard that conversation who's your Batman mm-hmm. right I've never heard the conversation who's your superman do you think that may have anything to do with just the actual
1: character itself and are we able to relate to other characters let's just say in the dceu a batman or let's just say for example in marvel we're able to connect to some of these characters that are human are from earth and they're just gonna get these superpowers because of an accident or this that and the other Or why batman I don't know. Maybe because he's human and he doesn't actually have any superpowers outside of just being wealthy. And he's putting himself on the line as a a crime-fighting vigilante. Whereas Superman, he's just like, again, like the name of the character says, he's just able to fly, has super strength, super speed. How can you ever relate to a character like that? And maybe that's what's missing here. Whereas in the Superman movies, I felt like, from Christopher Reeve's perspective... It was the Clark Kent character. It was him trying to fit in on Earth with other humans. And so maybe that had something to do with it you as well. Know,
0: you know what? The way I see it is that Batman and Superman are both aspirational brands in a way, mm. right? When you're looking at Batman, you're looking at something that should be approachable. If I put the best of myself out there, I would be like somebody who, despite not having any powers, is capable of doing all the good. And not wanting any credit for it. Mm. Purely just being a symbol of justice. Yeah. Right? And that's one version of, like, being aspirational. It's tangible. Right. Superman is, like, an aspirational brand that, like, you can look up to as, like, a god. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, the idea of, like... The the idea of Superman should be something that connects. More than just... Like, I, I feel like the one thing they haven't gotten over is how important and how the idea of what superman represents Mm -hmm. that's never gotten across yeah right like has superman ever felt important enough in a universe or on screen where it was just like that's the main guy in the comic book like uh film universe period right he's never gotten over like to that degree that's the one thing that even as like a pro wrestling point of point of view He's never been the guy, actually. Yeah, I feel like the only time the character
1: was over for a generation, again, was the Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, yeah. And during the late 70s and the I- 80s. I'm purely
0: talking from my, my time.
1: Yeah, being absolutely. Hard. And again, I didn't grow up. I wasn't born in the 70s. Like, I still grew up with those Superman movies way after the fact. Yeah. After they had released. Like, as a kid growing up, those were the only Superman movies. Yeah. Even the batman movies we didn't get until the late 80s yeah right? so that was my first kind of um, experience with batman on the big screen now it's a different story right now you've got all these comic book characters and their stories their origin stories are out there so you've got uh, who do you connect with mm-hmm. you've got iron man you've got spider-man you've got dr Strange, you've got all these characters yeah you've got wonder woman you've got the hulk right so now your kind of like experience and your field of vision is as full of so many different characters from different backgrounds that maybe like you know what I don't really care for a Superman. I'd rather you know I'm I'm way more relatable to someone like a Captain Marvel, for example. Sure. Whereas again, growing up in the you know in the eighties and the nineties, the options just weren't there. Maybe you can watch your Saturday morning Spider-Man cartoon or your X-Men cartoon or read the comic books, but in terms of the big screen experience it was just Superman and Batman for such a long time and because over the last 10-15 years Marvel has come into Marvel Studios in particular and just blown up the entire genre Mm -hmm. for now DC to come back and be like oh by the way we're going to show you how important Superman is, maybe that's why it never got off on the right foot they were in a much more competitive landscape in terms of how we as audience members view superheroes from the comic book uh,
0: genre. That's a really good point and it also brings me back to the obvious like I'm always going to make parallels to pro wrestling but like the idea of like when kids were growing up in the 80s they saw this aspirational brand in Hulk Hogan Mm. and he got so over that culturally Hulk Hogan was over. Yeah. Right. And in the 90s Stone Cold was culturally over and I don't know if that totally connects with right now because everything's so niche. Yeah. And how can one individual fully connect with an entire generation. and But that's not to say that that can't happen. Look at what Christian Bale does and how how much he connected. Or even like to the opposite side, what the Joker has connected with like an entire generation of people. But also, those are niche things too. Yeah. And and it's funny because the next story I was going to talk about is kind of about Spider-Man, right? And when you talk about Spider-Man, talk about the most relatable uh, superhero, maybe of all time, right? And I think that's what gets him over is that he is still that, that thing of like hope. But it's also the idea of development and patience with yourself and growing over time. Being able to like Spider Man can make mistakes, and it's like so acceptable. We're all on this journey with him. But when like Superman makes mistakes, it's like devastating. He's a god; he shouldn't be making these kinds of mistakes. And it's such a weight that he has to carry as a figure in that universe.
1: Also, Superman, in terms of our relationship with him, is him as a man. Batman doesn't become Batman until he's a grown ass man Mm. a character like Spider-Man we're with him from high school yeah Right, and we there are so many things that we can relate to from the character arc in terms yeah. of his relationships at high school being a high school teenager yep. going to college university, and finally you know working in the real world and becoming a photographer for yeah. this newspaper there's so many things that we can relate to from peter parker's perspective yep. he's not rich, he doesn't come from money, he comes from a broken home situation. There are so many other things outside of his capabilities as spider man that we relate to. Um, that you just can't again this kind of goes back to what I was saying before there's more options out there who you relate to out there in the comic book genre from the film world
0: is much much bigger and much more competitive now than it ever has been it is 100% true but it is funny to see that Spider-Man no matter what generation since the 90s still penetrates no matter what he's always gonna like cut through and still be a major figure in basically any variation even when people talk about like Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man as being like a fall off like, sure, to a degree, but even then he was still like, look how, how beloved that ki- that version of it is. Like, mm. you'll see it online, and so many people still love even that version, uh, uh, that version of Spider-Man as well. And it kind of weaves into this a little bit, is coming off that big three-version Spider-Man story that they got to tell with No Way Home, Marvel originally had this big plan, and reportedly this is all just rumors as well, but Marvel originally had this big plan to slowly build up towards the black suit in Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies. Uh, apparently, Sony starting up their Venom franchise caused a lot of problems and trouble behind the scenes. Spider-Man 4, apparently, despite the fact that there was a post scene that kind of alluded towards the idea that Venom was going to enter this universe, uh, Spider-Man 4 apparently won't focus on the black suit, and apparently they're saving it for a film further down the line. It seems like they're not ready to kind of like let go of the creative license of that Venom character Mm. until they like squeezed every last drop out of it. Can I be honest?
1: I actually prefer them not even to mess around with the black suit. I like the traditional red and blue suit and the actual suit that we see Tom Holland like wear in those final shots at the end of the movie where it's kind of like the more homegrown stitched together original suit I'm actually more excited about that yeah I, I mean if they at some point want to do the Venom story yeah do it further down the, the line you know the Tom Hardy movies aren't
0: great it is weird Rick, because it's one thing actually have we ever seen Marvel allow a character to exist within the MCU and outside the MCU like Could Venom be a character that's in the MCU, but also separate? And Tom Hardy could be an entire separate Venom-verse, kind of like what they're doing with Batman. Have they ever done that before? I don't think so, right? I'll be honest.
1: I can't see that happening. It hasn't happened before. What I can see happening is what has already been rumored and discussed, right? It's the idea of Andrew Garfield being able to reprise the role as Spider-Man in a future movie of his own, whether it's him pitted against Venom which he hasn't personally done in his universe. And obviously he's now part of the MCU, but also he can play with with Sony and what they're doing with the Venom character as well. I think that's ideally what everybody wants. It's like everybody was so happy for Andrew Garfield to come back. Give him his own standalone third movie now. Isn't it funny how
0: these characters are almost like territory wrestlers? Mm -hmm. Where like you just go from one territory to the other, you get really over, then you go to the other Mm -hmm. one and look, you've already made... You become a big star in the big league, so now you can go to the second one right. and become a massive star. That's a great analogy, <laughs> and also, like, I like the idea of what they're kind of leading towards right now, like a grounded Spider-Man. Seeing him kind of because now he's got to figure out who he is outside of Tony Stark and the Avengers, right? Yeah. And like, like all of that, like being under that shadow, having be like being able to rely on so much technology and all that kind of stuff. Now he's not gonna, I mean, imagine he's not gonna have all of that, yeah. Right? Maybe they'll, they'll give him pieces of this or that, so he's still cool, but like. I imagine that they're going to let him be him and figure all that out and, and start from da- like start from scratch. And also just an, a
1: fresh approach and a fresh take on being able to deal with a secret identity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting. This is like a very cool way that they've been able to handle rebooting the franchise and yep. still maintaining continuity at the exact same time. Yeah. It's very cool. That's like, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, obviously, but like seeing what's coming out of the snap and end game and all that kind of stuff. And, Seeing the result of where everything's kind of going and how everything's kind of shaking out, because now it feels like we're getting some finality in that, and we're kind of finally moving on. I think everyone's had to be patient,
1: yeah, because these phases don't roll out over one year. These are, these phases are multiple year projects, yeah, right. So it takes time, and because obviously phases one, two, and three were so epic in terms of how it ended with Endgame, it needed some time. To yeah. hit the reset button here and there, but also to progress a few stories we in build, different directions. Yeah, start
0: building into some new characters, mm. new franchises, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, as as far as other news stories go, uh, next one I got, and I want to see if this kind of meant anything to you because mm. I think it is a generational story. And I saw it online, and I saw so much fanfare for it of people that grew up with it. And uh, after 25 years, Ash Ketchum is officially a world champion. He finally is the very best, and no one ever was. Uh, does that mean anything to you? It means nothing. to me. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> That's why I was like curious because I'm sure you saw it too, right? Oh. Did you? You didn't see anything of like Ash Ketchum is finally a world champion? No, it's so crazy. To uh, again, it was everywhere. For I don't him. even know who that is. Oh my god! You yeah. don't know who
1: Ash Ketchum? I have no know who idea. Pikachu is right. Uh, Pikachu, yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> is Ash Ketchum the, actual, the trainer? The yeah. trainer? Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah,
0: the the human character. Not the Pokemon. again.
1: Pokemon came just after my generation. Which is fair. I grew up on Thundercats and Ghostbusters and X Men and Spider Man. Yeah, as my Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, it's so, it's so
0: funny nowadays. Though is like when you actually get finality. Like you know what? Like one thing I noticed is like with anime in general. Yeah, is that when you are watching a show, sometimes that show goes on for years and decades and so long, and to the point where you're growing. The same time this character is growing, you're watching this character grow and like they go through all these changes as well, but you're also doing that same thing. So when that character like accomplishes something, it's like a trip of like understanding how, how much time has passed. Right. 25 years yeah. of Ash is It's crazy. Is crazy. <laughs> hey yo, check it out motherfucker. I'm Tupac. The next story I got is, uh, I mean, as just as far as, again, generationally, it's so interesting to see people's relationship with this character but a Snoop Dogg biopic is in development at Universal Pictures mm-hmm. and it's one thing is that I wonder what version of like Snoop Dogg is going to come across because like there is the rapper Snoop Dogg and West Coast Snoop Dogg and early 90s Snoop Dogg but that guy has grown and gone through so many different changes and now he's like this entrepreneur and like he's part of everything yeah like you if you watch anything I'm sure Snoop Dogg has been a part of it whether it's pro wrestling or football or basketball or betting like I'm sure he's, he's got so many everything. endorsements I see a
1: commercial in involving Snoop Dogg on something at
0: least once a day all the time he's a, him and Shaq must is? run the ad world yeah, right yeah that's actually the exact same <laughs> names that I was going to connect to and it's crazy that Snoop somehow has become that but now they're making this movie yeah same director Alan Hughes actually who did Dead Presidents as well as Menace to Society okay so uh solid pedigree interesting like not my favorite movie still like an interesting like somebody's like that's foundationally rooted in like hip-hop's history of like a film representation
1: yeah Uh, and i feel like it's probably the one final thing that is still almost kind of left now to do when you've lived this long and you've been so iconic for so many years and you've had so much success and you've had legitimate trials and tribulations you've had legitimate ups and downs. Yeah. And maybe they don't focus on the entire career. Maybe they just focus on um, a slice uh, up to a certain
0: point. Let's just see what they do with this, right? 20 um, bucks as they cast Cameron Diaz in this movie. Because <laughs> apparently he sold weed to her right. at one point. And right. like, that's like this viral story. I guarantee she's in this, even if it's a cameo. Yeah. Not her per se, but like somebody playing Cameron Diaz. Yeah.
1: But look, you know, I feel like we've got to a, a stage with hip-hop and rap. There will be a Nas movie. There will at some point be a Jay-Z movie. You know, You think there would be a Nas movie?
0: Why not? I don't know. Is Nas... Oh, this is going to be funny. Is Nas a big enough star to get his own biopic that would play in theaters? Maybe not. Maybe a Netflix though? Or Amazon Prime? I would love... Oh, man. I would love... Imagine a Netflix series that Nas got to be a part of as far as writing as well. And they basically made a series about Illmatic. Right, right, and like one of the most iconic hip hop albums of yeah, all yeah, time, yeah. one of the greatest albums of all time, yeah. And and it's basically like a story, his uh, him talking about growing up in New York, yeah. And if he was able to translate that across a series, like that would be amazing. But it's interesting that you you mention him being like big enough to do that because there aren't that many rappers or musicians in general that are able to be like, big enough to have their own biopic. So we've had Tupac, Biggie, but obviously posthumously,
1: right? We've had Fifty Cent and Eminem. Right, NWA, N- 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 NWA, and again, they're, they're all not the entire story, but just the the the, the juicy chunky
0: part. And we're right? talking the biggest ones too. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I'm talking like Marquis actually a part of pop culture. Uh, like like Straight Outta Compton was a legitimate moment in in hip hop as well, but just film.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you're thinking about from a theater release, you know, perspective, who could warrant it? Who could like you know, actually do something justice? Yeah, you're looking at something like a Jay Z. Again, this Snoop Dogg movie. Yeah, I mean I think it's probably gonna have be big enough to get the 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 big cinematic release, you know, treatment. I don't see this being like Amazon Prime or Apple or Netflix or something like that or a Hulu Plus movie. Yeah. Um, but maybe something like NAS, and it might be a different format, like you said, maybe with NAS, you do an eight, nine, ten episode miniseries mm-hmm. on something and it's not a movie. But again, more to the point, there are enough established legends of the game that are big enough and have impacted multiple generations at this point that movies and
0: TV shows and biopics are absolutely warranted. Who would be your one dream biopic? It could be any musician. Dead or Alive? Let's say say hip-hop. Hip-hop? Jay-Z, probably. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's gotta be Jay-Z. I would be so curious to see how they handle... Actually, too. I would love to see how they handle the Jay-Z biopic. Yeah. Because... That could be incredible, and it's really crazy because, again, talking about different phases of life yep. and seeing who like Snoop Dogg was at one point to who he became now. Like, look at Jay Z, man, yeah. what an
1: arc! Again, talking about rappers, uh, again, posthumously. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Dmx biopic. Dmx would be so, a great biopic again, so like impactful in a certain time of of life. Yeah, yeah. Not the biggest, longest run, but for those few years, he was the man.
0: Yeah, you know. I'm also very curious to see if because before I thought it was a foregone conclusion that at some point someone will do a Kanye West biopic and they'll probably win like an Oscar for it yeah right because if you, if you could pull off a performance of Kanye West it's gonna be so out there yeah that it's, you're probably gonna get a tremendous praise for something like that for if sure. you do it right yeah but nowadays like I don't know does that, does that movie get made anymore I think it's inevitable at some point listen at
1: the end of the day Dead or Alive big Artists and musicians will have either a documentary, a biopic, or a miniseries, something made of their life, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm looking forward to seeing the the Whitney Houston movie. I want to dance with somebody. Like, I'm actually looking forward to that because yeah. she's got a fantastic story and her documentary is incredible. I can imagine, yeah. Um, and, That's going to be a wild biopic. Yeah, but see and, what
0: I mean? Like, like, what parts do you talk about? And you course. Like have to talk about certain things. You yeah. have to,
1: they're unavoidable. And unfortunately, sometimes you can't. Until they die, yeah. Until it's kind of like open IP in yeah. that respect, yeah. So it's gonna be interesting, man. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, what lens do you get it through, yeah? Right. I know we've been yeah. How much of-
0: how much of Snoop Dogg are they gonna withhold and be like?
1: Exactly. Eh, I don't know. If that's the best idea. How much is he signing off on? Like, I know we're getting a Vince McMahon uh, documentary, yeah. Like But again, through the lens of who and uh, you know, I
0: don't know. Are we still getting that? I don't know. But like, it seems like culture will determine whether. Uh, I think I think it's it's also like in the studio's financial interest to be like. Do we include that? Do we want it to be a part yeah. of the conversation? Can this movie have a longer run without that kind of stuff? I wonder if that plays a major... Like, I mean, I have, to, I have to imagine that plays like a major factor
1: and whether that kind of stuff gets included. And it all comes down to whether it's authentic or not. Like, yeah.
0: like are you going to have legs? Like, is this movie... It is balancing both of those, right? Yeah, 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, last story, uh, speaking of balancing both of those, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis says that both she and Lindsay Lohan are committed to making a Freaky Friday sequel... Uh, she said it's Disney's to make and I think they're interested and we are talking uh, I feel like again maybe it's generational but I thought Freaky Friday was like a massive deal at one point even mm. when I was a child it was one of those movies that I kind of grew up with watched over and over I'm curious to see if it impacted you even a little bit not at all because <laughs> I
1: had the original version of this movie vice versa in the 80s which is still the best version of a swapping roles
0: to this day I still haven't seen it Vice versa
1: is the movie. Yeah. It's it's the movie. It's you have vice versa, twenty years later you get Freaky Friday. I haven't even seen Freaky Friday. Yeah. I, I don't I don't care for it. <laughs> but listen again It's Hollywood. Yeah, things get repeated and recycled time and time again, right? You take a concept from a movie from 20 years ago. All right, cool. We can call it something completely different. Kind of use the same mechanics of what happens in that movie and just make it for a new generation. I'm absolutely fine with it. It's
0: funny that you mentioned vice versa, and that's always been on my list to watch because I've always been interested in the concept of a body swap movie. Mm. And like sometimes we talk about tropes. Yeah, and I'll be like, why isn't there a good version of this movie? (laughs) Right, and uh, it's because it's vice versa. You haven't seen it. Yeah, 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 I feel you. But like I'm very interested in the concept and. this is foreshadowing as well, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, I think that's everything for the news this week. Gentlemen, now we get to the feature presentation. Yes. We get to finally talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Stop right there. Who are you? And how did you get in here? This place is amazing. The air is pristine. and the water.
1: My mother told stories about a place like this a protected land with people that never have to leave, that never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world?
0: I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you?
1: I have many names. My people call me Ah Khan. but my enemies call me Namor.
0: First off, talk about a little bit, like just real quick, your expectations kind of going in. What did you feel like the moment was this time? Because we talked about it on uh, on our preview a few weeks ago where we were kind of talking about how big of a moment the first movie was. Mm. How did you feel kind of in this moment now? Definitely
1: a different vibe, different feel. I think when Black Panther came out, it was the first of its kind, right? A black superhero comic book character actually getting the full treatment the full treatment and it was a five star movie it was commercially a box office hit like you said cultural impact in so many ways the reason why Black Panther Wakanda Forever was like on my list of like must see movies or, or at least for me personally like one of the movies I was most looking forward to this whole year wasn't just because it was like an important part of the phase you know for Marvel Studios and MCU phase four It was how are they going to deal with it? We've spoken about it at nauseam on so many episodes. Like, there was so much pressure on Ryan Coogler, so much pressure on Marvel Studios to deliver, get the tone right. Yeah. How are they going to move the story forward? How are they going to acknowledge, you know, Chadwick Boseman's passing and all those things? So, and the trailer, which I know it was the one rare occasion that you personally did watch the trailer only because I begged you to watch it. Yeah. Which was a fantastic trailer, like one of the best trailers I've seen in years let me just tell you this much nothing in that trailer ruined the movie for mm. me personally the trailer did the job of getting me excited getting my emotions ready this movie delivered for me in so many ways and i think the most important thing that it delivered for me is that it, it did justice to chadwick's passing it did justice to what he had brought in Forward in the character, and I, honestly, I don't know how they could have done anything better than what we got out of this movie. I don't know about you, but that was kind of like my my walking out of the theater kind
0: of like take was I don't know how they could have done a better job. I agree, I agree with that actually. Uh, and yeah, this is gonna be one of those episodes where we just kind of like talk about how good this movie was, yeah, because I, I think that's the sentiment I get pretty much across the board. Mm. It, it actually feels funny because, on one side, let's say that this was the topic and the movie was like okay i wonder how much you could shit on it mm-hmm. right because the sentiment is so strong and so important that do you really want to shit on it thank god that the movie is actually amazing yeah right like genuinely like that is a great feat that you actually tee up something that you have to not only just deliver on on a technical basis performance wise visually cinematography wise as a director in every single way but like you have to handle a very sensitive issue someone's death and on top of that how much this movie means to a community and uh, a, a fandom in general like like in so many different ways this franchise means a lot to a lot of people mm-hmm. in different completely different ways yeah. so it's really important that you keep this kind of legacy living on and then moving that legacy forward because if you leave it with Chadwick that almost does a disservice to the impact of what this could be doing for generations Yeah. right because you talk about like You know how positive of an impact representation is. Seeing uh, seeing Black Panther for the past couple years is is one of the like cultural landmark moments of like what how, how much progression there has been in film. And like like you said, giving it the full treatment, giving it that full push, and letting it become one of the biggest franchises, not just in the MCU but in film. Period.
1: Something you mentioned earlier on in today's episode was the idea of how you have like these Iron Man movies that are sort of separate from him appearing in the avengers movies one thing marvel does really well is when it's like the standalone character movie that's kind of having its own story arc they do a really good job i think ryan coogler and these black panther movies is the best example of staying in your own world yes yeah there's like one or two things that's gonna have a domino effect and overlap into the overall phase and things moving forward. And there's definitely acknowledgement of that. But if you, like, for example, don't care for that, like, for example, if you were saying to someone, hey, you know what, you don't need to watch 20 MCU movies. If you just care about uh, the Black Panther character, just watch these two movies, right? You're going to get an idea of the, the Black Panther world, the Black Panther comic book, and the other characters in that particular world. Just incredible standalone movies that you know, can live and breathe
0: on its own while still being obviously connected to the MCU. On top of that, uh, what what you mentioned is, like, the idea that it has to... It's, like, its own separate thing. I never feel, like, when I'm watching uh, Black Panther kind Wakanda Forever, that, like, oh, where does it connect in the MCU? Right. What's important? Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, in this particular circumstance, I'm so into this exact experience I'm going through, I don't worry about what's the connective tissue and all that kind of stuff. It felt like a moment where you could just enjoy the goddamn movie. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. Those are the best MCU movies. When you stop caring about how much of an impact this is gonna be, oh there's mutants at the MCU now. Like and that's like a fun little revelation to make, but more than that, it's like, oh, this is just a fantastic movie. Yeah. And 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 on top of that, what a therapy session. Right? Like I think not just like there's a whole fan base that like is also I'm sure for a lot of people grieving the loss of somebody like Chadwick Boseman and what it meant to have that character, right? So it is like a really like genuinely sad moment.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I feel like everyone's been grieving and mourning and we haven't, and I I mean this in the nicest way possible, we haven't as a community, as fans of the MCU, fans of Black Panther, fans of Chadwick, been able to move forward until we know how they deal with it in the film world, yeah, you know what
0: I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean that in the most respectful way possible. Absolutely, and, and I think what it, what it really means is like it's an exploration of loss. Yeah, right? like this movie is talking and going through grieving and loss and finding, like, and in so much so in like the characters we're going to talk about. But like finding where you still stand after. Yeah, after that, and like that's kind of like what I take away from the movie. It's not about like oh, where does the franchise go? The movie, in a grander sense, is when you lose somebody and they're gone forever and you're still alive, like now you have to live in this entirely new existence without that person. And now it's a new life for you. Uh, not be able to like just move past that, but now living with the idea that you don't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's, it's. I don't know. I thought that was so beautiful. The way they kind of explored that, the way you see, like Edinburgh' talk about Letitia Wright, but you see Shuri kind of like go into her journey as basically like a B character in the first movie and we're following her grief and her loss and seeing her rise to the moment in yep. this movie that was one of my favorite things in the MCU period yeah and, and also like this is probably easily
1: by far one of the most predictable moments that we knew coming in like if you had to guess oh who's gonna be the next Black Panther yeah it's gonna be Shuri right but how do they deal with it how do they, how do they deliver how yeah. it, how do they make it believable how do they make sure that you are also on board yeah with her becoming the next Black 100%. Panther? it's
0: the idea that we talk about all the time is like sure a lot of times in these storylines like it might be predictable yeah but like it doesn't matter if it's predictable if it's fucking good yeah exactly. if it's good that's all that really matters exactly right and uh with this one again such a therapy session such an exploration of loss we got to go through so much of that but the, like I said, the way Sherry rose up, lived up to the role. And also Letitia Wright lived up to the role. Like she really fulfilled everything. Uh, personally, I thought that what the fans were hoping for and like what I was hoping for. And she really feels like an incredible character at the end. Yeah. Like she's so dope. I want to watch this character
1: in so many different things. Remember there was a time when you were reading some of the things with regards to the behind the scenes yeah. during COVID, yeah. the it's production. A re- it's a
0: weird time in in history that we're gonna look back at and be like, what was going on? Like it's just like a, it's like a weird little pocket that it's just like so many weird things happened. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time we were like, oh, trouble
1: on the Black Panther, Wakanda Forever set. Yeah, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna have to reshoot? Go in a different direction? Are they gonna have some script rewrites? Whatever. One more point that I want to add regarding um, what you said about things being predictable, but as long as they're good, that's all that matters. Best example of that, No Way Home. We all knew that Andrew Garfield and yeah. him we yeah. going to come back as Spider-Man. It didn't ruin
0: the experience. It didn't matter. It was like, let's go. We know what's about to happen. As long as you guys deliver, we're on board well, for listen, it. The, the thing that we want to happen is the, something that we want it to happen because we think it's going to be good. And by the way, if you deliver on that, that's just like the ultimate, that's like
1: calling your shot. And also, even though kind of Shuri becoming Black Panther was perhaps the most predictable part of the movie coming in, there is so much that we got from this movie that is a shock, a surprise. You know, literally just like my mouth is wide open. Like, did that just happen? Mm -hmm. Did that just happen? The score is fantastic the length, the pace. At no point did I feel anything
0: was dragging. When you I think, talk about surprises, um, I think the biggest surprise for me, and I think it also doubles down It's also a conversation about another, maybe the performance of the entire movie is uh, Angela Bassett as Ramonda. Let our gracious response to this incursion be an olive branch. The fact that they doubled down on your loss, as a, again, as a viewer, You're watching that The fact that T'Challa Passed away In this story And then all of a sudden We're watching Shuri Go through all this shit And then they're like Okay cool We're gonna take away Her mom too Yep I was like How How can you do that right now Like I was outraged As a viewer To be like I can't believe You're doing this To like Not only Shuri But like to us Like we're doubling down On so much of a loss That I did I never saw that coming And uh Low key as far as like Emotional accomplishment They fucking crushed it you know,
1: Angela Bassett's uh, appearance in the trailer had everyone like, yo, we're already crying from a trailer. Yeah. What is her performance going to be like in the movie? Angela Bassett, and not just and the whole cast is incredible in terms of how they deliver their performances and the characters, but also taking on that weight of what they obviously are dealing with. The passing of a character, but also the passing of the man behind the character, yeah, the actor, yeah, yeah. who are friends. So every time... Shuri is going through something emotional or Ramonda yeah we get it from a character point of view but we also see that these actors are actually dipping into a real life emotion and pulling that to the forefront in their performance
0: yeah and and before we even get into like a a few more like newer characters I kind of just want to talk about I think somebody who really rose to the occasion this time I want to talk about M'Baku right and I want to read out one tweet that Winston Duke had he says the intention for Imbaku in this film is to serve as the vent for a pressure cooker. Imbaku in the the last movie, you know, obviously he's like a little bit of a underboss kind of thing, right? Before you finally get to Killmonger, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what Imbaku what does is he, he's he's incredible. He serves as like that support so much for Shuri and so many other moments this kind of
1: goes back to the whole idea of they had to move the chess pieces a little bit going into the second movie given what they had to deal with and with that comes an opportunity for characters that may have not got I guess the time on screen or the development like if Chad was still around does M'Baku kind of have this major role in the second movie we don't know maybe maybe not but it was almost like a in that he had to be a, a play a much bigger role
0: I, I don't know if it's like an older brother figure to shuri at the moment okay, that's what i was actually gonna ask as well because do you think it's like that i get the inclination that there's some romantic romantic yeah them. i think so too I, I, I by still, the end especially sure. like it felt almost like a unified front but also showing like yeah she's she's the new top, like, boss in this thing, but, like, I'm her right-handed man kind of thing. Yeah,
1: I mean, the way the movie ends, it's, it's like, essentially, he's now the king of Wakanda. feels like that. Whereas she is the Black Panther of Wakanda, and they're almost, like, joint CEOs <laughs> in the, in, in of a, a company. In a, or a joint um, hierarchy or, or, a, or a family. But or it a, still
0: feels like the hierarchy is, the top is still Black Panther. Oh, yeah, of course. Right? Like, it still feels like... Shuri is still like the top dog in this situation I feel like Shuri's out there in the world being Black
1: Panther whereas M'Baku is handling business for Wakanda kind of like almost
0: like the Angela Bassett character now yeah he's like taking that de facto spot exactly And in, in this booking situation mm-hmm. uh, I kind of mentioned it before is is the Michael B. Jordan scene mm-hmm. right and the fact that we got to see Killmonger one more time it was the holy shit moment of the
1: movie I had no idea I didn't even like once the movie begins and this is me just generally once movies begin I forget about trailers. I forget about conversations that I've had. I'm not, you know, messing around with my head. I shut down completely. I know we've spoken about Michael B. Jordan potentially coming back in some way, shape, or form in the MCU. I know for a fact. That almost felt like speculation. Exactly. I never expected. But the fact that we spoke about it, sometimes people are like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if... Now, for me, I'm like blank mode when I go into a movie theater. So for me, when that moment happened, it was just like, wow, this is it. He's back and he's now in four Ryan Coogler movies. It's like he is Ryan Coogler's
0: like go-to guy. Like he's going to figure out a way to get Michael B involved in his movies. It's a bummer that this is like a scene that exists in like the afterlife. Yeah. Or whatever like and the cool thing is the fact that they brought him back means like hopefully they'll bring him back in some other way. I want to see it. In- uh, whether it's a, a multiverse version of yeah, him yeah. or whether it's the same version. Again,
1: they now what we've seen in you know thor love and thunder and now obviously in wakanda forever is this this plane or they're working with realms i don't know exactly the way they're phrasing but the the afterlife basically right whereas yes these characters are physically dead but they still exist in a different realm in a different world and they've tapped into that in the thor world it's Valhalla right yeah and now in wakanda it's what
0: do they call it do you remember what it's called i don't called? even know what it's called i'll be honest but like it's when
1: you take that plant but yeah it was honestly it's great to see michael b jordan come back in a cameo they kept so it really cool. hush hush so i had cool. no idea there were no spoilers out there before i watched the movie like he was jacked so they must have been like yo i know you're doing creed 3 yeah pop over out? for the weekend yeah it's on a need-to-know basis so we're gonna knock this scene out and then you can go back and do creed 3
0: i'm exercising my blood right the challenge for the medals of King and black panther the next thing i want to talk about and i think this kind of leads to it from one iconic villain to now another iconic villain the notch as namor mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic how did ryan kugler how, how does he have two of the most iconic villains in the entire mcu now i'll tell you how
1: he knows how to deliver villains on the screen he knows how to give the heroes a good anti-hero to work with and sympathetic villains yeah you can definitely understand where killmonger was coming from on his character yeah you can absolutely see where namor is coming from in his character incredible
0: and those are always going to be the best villains yeah and it's funny because like when i was thinking about how are they going to approach this guy because like for the most part you think of somebody like aquaman and i always think he's a little corny you Mm. know what i mean like no matter what it's like what is this guy doing like what are his powers like water like it doesn't ever feel cool Namor feels so cool Mm -hmm. right the presentation was absolutely incredible for them to choose obviously like a relatively unknown actor for this big a role and for him to deliver like this is number one incredible but to see what Namor means in that universe as like a master war strategist it's pure like it's it's genuinely thought-provoking. And uh, seeing humans enslave so many people will make you proactively start like committing violence instead of reactively feeling pain. And that's what you get from Namor an execution of like making sure that his people are safe. And it's such an interesting point when you talk about what humanity would do with something like Vibranium. I'm glad that you mentioned
1: uh, the underwater aspect of this because that is a part of like Aquaman as a character and his delivery on the movies that I just find really hokey unbelievable and I feel like how they dealt with that element of this underwater world this underwater civilization explaining how these characters ended up getting these powers and being able to breathe
0: underwater I thought was fantastic they make that underwater world feel like its own character like the same way they did with the Wakanda like I want more of that now and the fact that it's
1: another piece of a vibranium asteroid that crashed in the ocean yeah. that helps kind of do the same thing for them that it did for Wakanda is a f- nice little touch. I love that. And the fact that this is a villain that hasn't died in the movie, so it's someone that's going to be a recurring character. His overall story isn't completely over and done with. It's just chapter one. His performance in some of these scenes was so ice cold yep. that I was like, oh damn like this guy is not messing around he's nonchalantly just saying i'm about to come and kill your entire civilization your entire country's gonna be underwater unless you do x y and z yeah like it's a matter of fact he's not overperforming. he's not going over the top with his performance
0: not only just his introduction but the way they introduced that city with like that song i forget what song it is but the soundtrack is absolutely amazing Mm. one thing i love about namor is the fact that we actually and the same thing we got from killmonger is the fact that we actually got a visual cue that she defeated him. Like, we saw the visual win, right? Like, she could have ended it, but she didn't. She had sympathy, and it's different from how many other movies we've seen in the MCU where it's, like, the lesson is that, like, oh, yeah, you can beat me, but I'm nicer than you, or whatever. Or, like, I'm more morally upstanding of a character than you. And that's why, like, the villain's kind of, like, understand their position and then like accept defeat or like move on to whatever else and it's like that isn't what I want to see from superheroes and this time you're trying to get over Shuri as the Black Panther and we they actually did that was my other big holy shit moment of the movie when she does the, the Wakanda Forever
1: pose which detonates the aircraft I thought oh she just killed him I, my first initial reaction because they use the flashback scenes and that moment where it kind of goes back to the conversation she has with Killmonger like what are you going to do yeah right and when she does that I'm like oh my god did she just kill Namor yeah. and then obviously a few seconds later you realize okay he's just completely roasted his back is burned and she's going to help him recover alright she didn't go
0: all the way yeah. she came very very close It looked like it And that's the thing right like we know that if she wanted to she could have I think yeah. low key that makes her feel very important absolutely and on top of that we get the lesson still yes. right and the lesson of like you know compromise and not living in war and it's like oh that's a great message to get across to people and understanding why it's so silly and ego-driven making your people fight for your conflicts is massively immature yeah and to see these people as these like figureheads kind of work it out even if it's physical and like whatever yeah like we get the the lesson we walk away with is that oh this is stupid yep And uh, again, fantastic Ryan Coogler, absolute genius. More Ryan Coogler. I do
1: have one small critique, actually, and it's more to do with the movie. Because as great as this movie is, easily my favorite of the entire phase, and it's honestly just for one reason for me, for one reason only: Julia Louis Dreyfus and and her character of Valentina Allegra De Fontaine, which I know is an important character moving forward and I know she's already made a few appearances in some of the the series in terms of like you know behind the scenes developing a character her involvement in this movie always just took me away from the movie mm-hmm. like the scenes that she has with Ross oh they used to be husband and wife like even just her appearance with the kind of like that curl that's in purple yeah everything about her specifically i didn't enjoy in this movie yeah and i didn't feel like it was needed or necessary and, I, and I, again i know i know that long term they're trying to introduce her as this kind of like major figure from a u.s government point of view i totally get it and i hope that her involvement is something that i can enjoy more moving forward but in this particular movie I felt like it was taking me away from things. Yeah. Like I didn't mind the involvement of Ross because he was in the first Black Panther movie. He there is a relationship between him and the Wakandans and, and everything that happened in the first movie. But yeah, just for me personally, I didn't enjoy her scenes. I didn't enjoy her performance and I didn't enjoy her involvement as a
0: character in this particular movie. It's funny because I definitely Agree with a few things that, like, number one, her scenes never felt important. Yeah. She never felt like it was an impact that she was having in either the story or uh, even like it, where she, like that character kind of felt because it did feel like that thing where they're shooing in MCU. I could reflect and think that's what they were doing. Yeah. I didn't feel like that in the moment, if I'm being honest. Sure. I never did. Right. But I can very much understand that as a critique. I, I want to talk about kind of like the post credit scene because we didn't get to yeah, talk about that. Yeah, of course. Yet. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, what an emotional post-credit scene I'm so happy that they didn't like be like okay cool well this is what we got and then another post-credit scene that talks about like mutants exist or something like that yeah, it's like yeah, dude yeah. I, don't, I don't care right now I'm going through this and like I could tell the theater was having like a moment you yeah. know what I mean like what the legacy lives on he has a son Prince T'Challa it was it's, it's really like a beautiful way to end that
1: movie I think um, and this is more about how they handled Chadwick's passing in terms of T'Challa as a character. The first thing was the opening credit sequence, which is very much tribute to Chadwick. It's all his scenes and all his iconic moments in the MCU. There's no score. It's completely silent. And that's what opens the movie. That's how things start, which is like very, very, you know, powerful. But then you go to that, you know, end sequ- I agree with you, by the way. I- I'm so glad there wasn't like a second post-credit scene where... Now, here you go here's uh, Tom Holland and Spider-Man
0: swinging through New York or whatever the case may be yeah yeah um, I want to hit through a few quick speed round questions mm. first uh, what did you think about Kimono Smith? I thought it was a fine little cameo um, I was surprised that like he had so much of an involvement in the movie because like he had like three lines yeah that's pretty uh, dope again I think one or two days of shooting very very
1: easy uh, I would imagine they would have liked him to have still been champion <laughs> sure. that would have, that's probably why they cast him yeah but yeah, and I know there's been talk of, you know, Israel Asanya He declined, uh, I think he declined um, involvement in Creed 3. And this th- too, he said that as well.
0: as well. And this as well. So maybe they can figure out a way to work with him and Francis Ngannou. Yeah, he in- mentioned that as well. Like it would be dope in the Black Panther 3 if like all three of them were in it.
1: Listen, I love it. My world's colliding here. Yeah. Everyone knows I'm a big UFC MMA guy. So yeah, it was cool to see Kamaru... Um, you know had that little moment had that little cameo and I guess maybe they can extrapolate on that character in the Wakanda world in the future of the movie
0: franchise and speaking of that uh, Kevin Feige and Ryan Coogler apparently have started discussing Black Panther 3 Kevin Feige in particular said that they've been pitching ideas back and forth he also said that the mythology and this ensemble and these characters deserve to continue and will continue after all of us are gone I hope and will continue forever in movies the way it has in comics for 50 plus years I love it. I love hearing all of that. If I'm Marvel I
1: am, or Disney, I am tying down Ryan Coogler long term on as many pictures as I possibly can. This guy... Can they get him? ...is four for
0: four. I agree, but I think people should just appreciate Ryan Coogler while you have him in the MCU. I don't see this guy sticking around. I can imagine him making a third, but I fully expect Ryan Coogler to move on because I have to imagine that making these movies are Emotionally draining a movie like this is just like you're going through this whole like therapy process, and as much as we get to like watch it for us, it's like th- two or three hours for them, they gotta do this for years and like go through this grieving process for years, and it's like difficult, man. That's gotta be so difficult.
1: I feel like this was the movie that had to deal with the grieving process, and they've got to a point now where they can actually move forward.
0: The Black Panther has been the protector of Wakanda for generations. A mantle passed from warrior to warrior. Now because your friend murdered my father, I also wear the mantle of king. Getting into our categories, who for Black Panther or Wakanda Forever did you have as best character? Angela
1: Bassett as Ramonda. In my opinion, gave the best performance and I know there's already talk about, you know, again, a campaign. We talked about campaigns, social media of trying to get her included into uh, an Oscar category. But, I just thought her performance was very, very powerful. It was she was involved in some of the most emotional scenes, and even when the whole kind of like sequence of Namor attacking Wakanda, leading to her death, was just incredible. Um, so yeah, for me, it was Angela Bassett
0: as Ramonda. Best performance was absolutely Angela Bassett. The character I walk away with and want to ride with going forward, and like obviously like due to the circumstances of the movie, yeah. But I walk away with Shuri, sure, and I'm so excited to see where this character goes and uh, again Letitia Wright absolutely phenomenal to see the growth of the character and stepping up to the platform and delivering in such a level I think uh, you could have picked three or four
1: different actors 100%. in this movie and I don't think either of us would have any problem with it There I were completely. strong
0: performances across the board here. absolutely absolutely. Uh, what about best same thing it's going to be difficult but who you got Words men-
1: mentioned it was uh, Namor's attack on Wakanda just literally just like I'm going to just wipe this whole city out um, and again leading to Ramonda's death which you alluded to earlier on was like you're gonna kill off her mother as well it doesn't get any more powerful than that like you're already mourning a death and now there's a second death yeah. incredible and I, I was completely shocked that they went in that direction I
0: actually agree as far as because it is one thing that like that scene was like amazing visually and just as a comic book fan you get to see all that fun stuff but to deliver with such emotional weight of killing off uh, Angela Bass's character is just as big as it gets and that really felt like the biggest moment in the entire movie, emotionally at least for me. Mm. What about star rating wise? Five being the best, zero being the worst. I would like to remind us that like you mentioned that this is the best movie of this phase. Yeah. And also that you gave Spider-Man No Way Home five stars. Yeah. Where are we landing? Five stars. Okay. I was, I was so close so when I was thinking
1: about it and when I was talking about the the Defon Pain character, I was like, that could easily have been enough. That could have easily been enough for me to scale this down to a 4.75, her scenes. Because there, there, she's, she's in the movie enough for me to downgrade it to a 4.75. But I had to dismiss that. I had to put that to the side, right? Because this is near enough as perfect of a movie as you're going to get. When you get, when you consider the circumstances of what they had to deliver and get through, I'll go back to the very first thing I said at the start of today's uh, podcast when it came to reviewing this movie. When I left the theatre, I just thought to myself, how could anyone have done a better job than what Ryan Coogler did with this movie? It was just unbelievable. I can't wait to see it again. It's near flawless. As a sequel to the original Black Panther movie, as a piece of the wider MCU,
0: and one of my favourite movies of 2022. I really had a hard time thinking about this because I was like, is the execution of the characters amazing? Absolutely. Is... Like, direction amazing? Absolutely. But there's something about it that makes me think, like, is this five stars? It makes me question it. Mm. And the fact that I question it, and I think you had the same moment, the fact that you're questioning it it makes me think, is that enough to knock it down from five stars? And uh, I don't think it is. I think as much of a moment as what this movie is, and as much of a tribute and a therapy session, and the same way that, like, when when I think about this movie and I, I think about analogies a lot obviously but when I think about albums that I love this year Mr. Morale by Kendrick Lamar is a therapy session you go through this whole journey with him and it might not be his strongest album but I think it's my favorite album of Kendrick Lamar's mm-hmm. right and it's the same thing with this movie I left with like lessons mm-hmm. and growth from this movie so the lasting impression of this movie is gonna make it and I and I think I'd, I would give it five stars just based on that alone yeah this is gonna be what I hope for from like comic book movies yeah the peak in such a unique way that I absolutely was not expecting I didn't know how they were gonna deliver in this movie and they completely blew it out of the water and by the way
1: we don't hand out five stars willy nilly over here this is only my I think third or fourth five star movie of 2022
0: I agree I think the only difference is uh, between me and you I think you gave one movie five star or one extra uh, movie five stars than i have right that, to the degree like i think less than one handful of movies for both of us yeah have actually gotten five stars yeah and normally nine times out of ten you and me are on the same page
1: yeah like n- most of the time i think we're both oh, elvis is out. the
0: only contentious one sure i think you gave it five stars and i wasn't sure about giving it five stars sure. that's the only one i can even remember right but we've been pretty unanimous as far as spider-man No Way home everything everywhere all at once uh, now this and like I think it's pretty been pretty unanimous but yeah we take this shit seriously yeah, as far yeah. as five stars go like we're not trying to like just willy nilly give something five stars I think this movie absolutely deserves five stars but yeah that's everything for Black Panther Wakanda Forever last part of the show as always our weekly recommendations John can you hit me with Sanders Pig
1: I absolutely can yeah sometimes I recommend something that's very linked to the movie that we are reviewing And then sometimes it's just, what did I watch this past week? I did the same thing last week. I recommended Game of Thrones kind of like prequel series, House of Dragon, which I finally got to binge watch. There's another show that I've been earmarking for a while and I just never got around to watching it and I finally did over the last seven days. It's The Sandman on Netflix. I finally watched it. While it's not totally perfect, I would say that this... 11 episode first season was full of surprises for me i think at its best i think it produces some of the best television i've seen all year i think it's a top five show for me in 2022 i'm all in i can't wait for season two i knew very little about the character the comic book the background everything i love the fact that it's very much a british uh, production i think it adds a lot to the series and yeah i can't recommend this enough if you don't know anything about sandman great Go to Netflix right now, binge watch it. I did so over the last, you know, seven days and I had a really good time with it. So there you go. That's my recommendation
0: this week. It's the Sandman on Netflix. Awesome. We were talking about this earlier. We love movies. Uh, I love corny movies. I'll say that for myself. But I think both of us love tropes. Uh, For example, Freaky Friday, the movie that we were talking about and the idea of the body swap trope. And I was thinking I would love for a movie to take that concept and then elevate it to another level. But then I was thinking like, well, what is the best body swap movie that I've seen? What is the best offering of, of that trope, right? And how can you possibly do that? And it's a movie called Your Name. And from 2016, it's absolutely incredible. The, it, it's this kind of like wild concept that's explored really well in anime, right? Like when they're talking about uh, something like this, like a body swap, they do it to such a degree where it's very heartfelt. It's also one of the biggest anime movies ever. It's also one of the best introductions into anime period as well. And in my opinion the best version of a body swap movie that I have seen so far but uh, yeah that's my recommendation your name Jump with, where can anybody find us we
1: are at Screen Off Script on Facebook Twitter Instagram and TikTok we're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. and hey listen do us a favor it takes 15-20 seconds rate and review us it honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences awesome thank you for checking us out this
0: week guys take care